Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Broadcasted live. There are balls coming from all over the place. Left field, center field, right field. See, this this is the kind of thing, quite honestly, right now, that makes you want to see the Chicago Cubs team lose. Now, are you just saying you want to have fun, or do you really want to have fun? It'll be fun. Will the next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, or get them out of here? You don't live in Cleveland. Get in you talking to me? You talking to me? That is the farthest thing in the universe from the truth. Hello, everyone. Live, it's the Dan Scott Show. And right there is your host, Dan Scott. Also known as... Grumpy Old Broadcasters, episode 34. Welcome to our weekly get-together. I am Dan Scott. As I often say, nobody else wants to be. We look like, uh, we hope, we think, as always, we've got a good show lined up for you today. We should have uh, a good portion of our cast with us, including Dave Glenn, uh, the uh, guru of all things Atlantic Coast Conference, and college sports in general, uh, our time with Dave is uh, beginning to dwindle a bit. If you followed our interviews throughout the years, you know that Dave takes a break from the end of April until the uh, about the midpoint of the month of August, although he is available on call for big news stories that crop up. So we've got uh, him for another episode or two, uh, and one of the things we're going to be looking at with Dave is the upcoming NFL draft and how the ACC may or may not impact that draft. The uh, podcast is brought to you each and every time out by uh, Todaro Pizza, located on Markley Street on the west side of downtown Greenville, just down the street from Floor Field at the West End. And uh, with you know the pandemic. We hope it's winding down. The numbers are improving. Vaccines are becoming more widespread. People are going out more. If you haven't been to Todaro Pizza yet, then you need to go check it out. They have indoor and outdoor dining. The food, I keep telling you, it's it's bucket list type pizza. It's that good. You can find the operating hours, the menu, everything you need to know at todaropizza.com. T-O-D-A-R-O pizza.com. They also have the Sloan Street location in Clemson which is uh, open right now for pickup and delivery. Hopefully, in uh, in restaurant dining, we'll be opening there again very soon as well. But uh, we invite you to check out Todaro Pizza. Find them uh, on uh, Twitter at Todaro Pizza GVL uh, for Greenville, also on Facebook. And thank them for being the uh, presenting sponsor of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. Also want to make sure we mention our other sponsors Pickens Family Chiropractic and my friend Brian Dooley in downtown Pickens, South Carolina. The Hall of Fame Sports Grill. Alice and the folks there do such a fantastic job, especially with those smoked wings they have on Thursdays. you got to check those bad boys out there in uh, on Wade Hampton Boulevard. Hank's Beverage in Greenville. My buddy Ed Patterson, your State Farm agent at Cherrydale Plaza in Greenville and also at Cherrydale, the Atlanta Bread Company. All of those along with Motive Gym. Our uh, good friend, Booty Cothran, the American Ninja Warrior, who will be a guest in uh, an upcoming episode very soon. He'll be along to uh, talk about his latest uh, American Ninja Warrior exploits. His gym in Greenville is open as well. All right, we will step aside and come back for a, a quick break, and then we'll come back and be ready to roll on this episode 34 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. Don't go away. Every sports fan's goal should be make it to the Hall of Fame. Well, we have you covered with Hall of Fame Sports Grill at 531 Wade Hampton Boulevard in Greenville. Known for their great food and fantastic daily specials, Hall of Fame has you covered with all the game action on their 30 televisions. Plus weekly events like Tuesday night's Bar Trivia for Dummies, Wednesday night's Music Bingo, Thursday night's Dirty Bingo, and Karaoke with Fred Rock every Friday. 
That's 531 Wayne Hampton Boulevard, Hall of Fame SportsGrill.com. Every sports fan's goal should be make it to the Hall of Fame. Well, we have you covered with Hall of Fame Sports Grill at 531 Wayne Hampton Boulevard in Greenville. Known for their great food and fantastic daily specials, Hall of Fame has you covered with all the game action on their 30 televisions. Plus weekly events like Tuesday night's bar trivia for dummies, Wednesday night's music bingo, Thursday night's dirty bingo, and karaoke with Fred Rock every Friday. That's 531 Wade Hampton Boulevard, Hall of Fame SportsGrill.com. We are just getting things cranked up on this latest edition of whatever you want to call this thing. I am Dan Scott. Tom Van Hoy is here. Cobb Oxford is here. Dave Glenn will be here later on. Gentlemen, how are we? Good. Very good. Not nice to see you make it. This is three weeks in a row, Cobb. You know, if uh, if, if we go one if we go one more week, you're going to become a regular. I know it's actually uh, I'm getting scared because actually going to be able to not label me as dependable. We can't have that. <laughs> you you've got a reputation to keep up. Exactly, I have a reputation to keep up. You got paid in advance, right, Cobb? That's right. Exactly. No, fifty percent up front, fifty percent when the yeah. job's done. As long as for any of us, as long as it's not uh, performance related, we're, we're in good shape, right? Yep. <laughs> oh goodness! How was uh, how was everybody's weekend? Very good. Very good. Very quiet. Very uh, a lot of time on the golf course, and uh, so yeah, it uh, got. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just one of those kind of string. You know, I'm tired of ESPN draft commercials. Yes, I'm ready for the draft. Get, let's get it over with. Um, and then uh, baseball, of course, is cranking up. And I hate the extra inning rule, but there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, I would much rather see the National League have the DH and scrap the extra inning rule. Um, I just think it's stupid, but. I know Dan feels about the same way. I mean, why are we messing with one of the greatest games ever played? Uh, and then I see one minor league. I forgot what league it was. Is going to move the mound back a foot? Yep. Yeah, the Atlantic League. There, Major League what Baseball is. What is that? Let's just pit. Let's do like uh, the king in his court. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? He used to. He used to pitch from second base. I, yeah. I mean, I never saw him in person, but you know, it's like. Oh, I saw him. What was that guy's name? Eddie Fingler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fainer. Three fielders and him. Yes. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, I would pitch from second base and pitch blindfolded. I mean, you know, come on, let's let's jazz it up a little bit. I mean, if that's what you want to do. I mean, has has there been a a large outcry to just really monkey with the game? Now, this, this, this this is the commissioner. And I, I use that idiot. I use that term he's loosely. He's an absolute idiot. Rob, Rob Manfred, who who um, you know, on on one hand, I I give him credit for recognizing that there are issues in the game that need to be addressed. There there's not enough action. You know, we're, we're a game now of strikeouts and home runs. The the ball's not being put in play nearly enough. You know, you have more pitchers who are throwing harder now, and and that's got a lot to do with it. And and so there are things in the game that need to be addressed, and I give him a little bit of credit for recognizing that. What I don't give him credit for is the way he's going about trying to address it by changing the fabric of the game. You have to put the onus on the players to adjust. And that that's you know like wanting to ban the shift. I, I don't like the shift. I don't like seeing four guys on the right side of second base. Hit the ball the other way. But, but as a player, if you're not but willing, if you're not willing to hit the ball the third base line, exactly. I mean, I, I don't understand. If you see the whole side of the infield on the right side, just tap it down the line. I mean, I what? Why ban the shift? I mean, if I want to put all 
eight guys over on the right side of the field ought to be able to do it, you know? I, I agree with you. I, I don't understand. I don't get that, you know? Pitch clock, maybe. Um, I don't know. I I just uh, – and then you come out and announce, oh, we're going to deaden the ball again. I mean, well – like, like what we were just talking about before we went on the air. Uh, Braves hit four home runs in the first inning last night. I mean, uh, it's the ball's still flying. But, I mean, now I think most fans want to see. I, I mean, I like a good two-to-one pitching duel as good as anybody. You know, but um, but fans want to see a run score, too. So. And, and, and I get that. I, I get that. But at the same time, I don't think fans want to see – you know, both teams striking out 13 or 14 times in the course of the game. You want to put the ball in play. So, and the pay, the, how do you fix that? You make the ball bigger? No. Hitters not to throw as hard? Hit, hitters, and, and Tom and I have talked about this ad nauseum. It, hitters have quit adjusting. That They do not have a two-strike approach anymore. They go up, they take three rips as hard as they can to try to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And if they make contact, fine. If they don't, Oh well, we'll get them the next time. You you don't see by and large. I mean, there are individual hitters that do it, and Tom, you can you can speak to this here as yeah. well. But the, but you don't see on, on a a large scale hitters with a two strike approach, who who you know maybe choke up a half an inch or an inch, shorten the swing, try to make contact with two strikes just to put the ball into play, to stay alive. That's one part of the game that has has almost gone the way of the dinosaur. And, and Tom, I think that's one of the things that that's causing the issue that we have here. That the players just have, and, and it's the way the game has has morphed. I, I guess the two strike approach has gone out the window. And you had a front row seat going back just as recently as 2015 for a Kansas City Royal team that yeah. went one to nine in the lineup had a massive two strike approach. You just could not strike those guys out, and, and they ended up winning the World Series. Yeah, put it in play. You've got a chance, but the job it's it's pretty simple. You, you, you with this day and age, you can't take any of that stuff to arbitration. They want to know, okay, you hit the ball on the right side of the infield and move the runner over that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with that in in terms of you know what kind of money can you make. And I watched a little bit of Boston and, and Chicago White Sox on Saturday, and it was I think a runner on third. And, and nobody out in a tied game, and the infield was in for Chicago. All the three, it was shift three, all on the grass on the right side. Left hand hit at the plate. The third baseman is holding on the runner. I mean, you got 88 feet over at least that on the left side of the infield. Well, what happens with the first guy? Uppercut, uppercut, short fly ball to left. And the next guy did hit it to the outfield, and they did score a run, but. You know, if, with a shift like that, the infield in three on one side, like you said, Kyle, put the ball in play, and you, and you really got a chance to win the ball game. They eventually did win the game by the fly ball. But, yeah, the approach at the plate, completely different. Yeah, but these guys are paid millions of dollars. There's scouting reports ad nauseum. There's video, video, video. I mean, what are, what are we what are we doing? What are they doing? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole game is adjustments. Okay, now they figured out how to get me out. Now I got to adjust and figure out how to hit. And I mean, I could never hit. I was I was semi field bad hit. You know, I, <laughs> that's a baseball, bad combination. My baseball career ended in Pony League when I couldn't hold runners on base. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, that's when I started going to the golf course and that was that, but, uh, yeah, hitting a baseball is uh, other than hitting a golf ball, it's probably the hardest thing to do. Well, at least the golf ball is stationary. Well, yeah, I mean, you think it's easy until you try it. No, it, it's easy to make contact. It's not easy to, to direct no, it sometimes. <laughs> I, I took a kid out. This was a couple of years ago. A friend had a, a nephew in town. A kid, big, strong, athletic lacrosse player. Really had never played golf. We took him out one day. He said, I am going to dominate. I am going to hit that. I'm going to kill it. I'm gonna... So he stands up there. And as I told my friend, I said, it was like the old Bugs Bunny cartoon. 
One, two, three trucks are out. One, two. <laughs> he just kept swinging as hard as he could swing, and the ball would just sit there on the tee and laugh at him. I mean, people think, you know, it's just like, well, it's just like hitting a baseball. People think, well, I get a bat, you know, I can hit some ball. People don't watch golf on TV and go, oh, well, that's easy. Yeah, right. Just try it. Hey, Cobb, let me ask you a golf question. You saw what happened over the weekend yeah. with the, at the RBC where the yeah, guy, was really the, cool. the ball was still rolling and, and he waited more than 10 seconds. And then when it play ended, he got a penalty and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's, you're a golf guy. What'd you think about that? Oh, you're talking about there, there was one hanging on the edge of the hole? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're allowed, you're allowed, um, like, uh, 10 seconds. Walk up to the hole and then 10 seconds. And again, then it's a penalty. I mean, we can't stand there all day and wait for it to go in. But you know, a lot of times you can, if you get the ball half in, half out, you put your shadow on it, the grass will actually lay down a little bit and the ball will drop. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, they changed that rule a few years ago. Guys used to really like, Take a Sunday stroll to the hole, you know. <laughs> Take their time, and uh, but uh, yeah, that's it, that's in the book. So yeah, every, every, but you know, it's surprising to people that even the pros don't know all the rules. I mean, in the golf rule book, uh, in the, there there are some basic, simple rules, but golf can be complicated. So that's they have their. They have officials out there to straighten them out every once in a while. One of the other things that Tom and I were talking about shifting gears to the world of college basketball, uh, we, we have had a front row seat uh, over the last few years for some pretty intense battles between Furman and uh, UNCG, North Carolina Greensboro. And uh, Wes Miller uh, the head coach at UNCG was just hired at the University of Cincinnati to take over the Bearcats program after the uh, John Brannon uh, debacle ended after just two seasons up there. And um, Wes Miller is an interesting case study in what happens when you are patient with a young coach because he came in as an interim coach uh, in the middle of a season his first year and ended up winning the conference coach of the year in a half season. And then for the next four or five years, it was really a struggle for the Spartans under Miller's leadership. But they were patient with him and, and allowed him to, to build his program. And, and, Tom, we can go back about five, maybe six years ago when they discovered defense. Yes, indeed. And, and, and when they started playing defense – that program turned on the proverbial dime and became, along with Furman and Wofford and ETSU, the upper echelon of the Southern Conference for this sustained period of time. And it's amazing how quickly that turned. And it started again when they figured out, you know, if we defend, we can be something special. And Wes Miller's teams just started winning game after game after game uh, from that point on. Yeah, they won five or one in five consecutive years. They won at least twenty games. I mean, that's pretty impressive. It started, as you said, you know, they would extend it in full court, three quarter court pressure, and then they would jump and trap you on the sidelines once you got across mid court. And you know, before you know it, you're down to twelve seconds on the shot clock, and you know, you're not able to do uh, too much then, but get get a hurried shot as well. But uh, that that did uh, kind of set the tone at that point for for UNCG. Now, now Furman, uh, a couple of years ago, went in there and, and, and had a great game and won there, which is really uh, very difficult to do. But for the most part, they, they get you uncomfortable. And, you know, when they went to the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, if you recall, they were out in Boise and they took on Gonzaga, not the Gonzaga team of this year, but they were really, really good. And that turned out to be a 68-64 game. They challenged Florida State this year in, in the, the postseason as well. So, you know, young guy and then going to get a chance there at Cincinnati, I think. And, and Dave Glenn could probably tell us more about this. But, uh, but you know, his name was in, in the running or at least came up, obviously, at, at uh, North Carolina. But, uh, you know, 10 years there, 
they didn't go well early for the most part, but then they hung with him. And, and uh, he, if I'm, I'm interested to see how he does. You and I went to Cincinnati this year. I mean, great facility and, and uh, you know, the issues there with John Brandon uh, and parted ways with him. So, for, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. They're going to be changing UNCG, ETSU, Western Carolina with, with, with Prosser, Coach Prosser going to uh, college or going to uh, Winthrop. And, you know, so it's going to be really interesting with uh, Winthrop's Coach Kelsey going to College of Charleston. The dominoes fell as Earl Grant went to Boston College. So there'll be some changes basketball-wise in, in the uh, Southern Conference next year for sure. Yeah, and, and, and Cobb, Tom and I talk about this a lot because he spent all those years at the Division Two level. You did too at, Anders, yep. at Anderson. And the, the fact that there are some really, really good coaches at that level who don't get an opportunity to show how good they could be at a higher level because of the combination of the uh, good old boy hiring system and the fact that nobody wants to take a chance on an unknown. But just in the time that I've been here, we have seen Anderson University have some good basketball coaches on both the men's and the women's side who who could be very successful at a, a higher level if they were given the opportunity. Well, the one thing about the D2 level, and Tom knows this, you do it all. Uh, yes. <laughs> they probably don't drive the van. They don't no. drive the van anymore. They've actually. Yes. When I started, they did. Yeah. To buses. But uh, a D2 basketball coach does it all. And, and, and unless you're at a really high D2, you may have a part time assistant or, or a part part time assistant. So you're, you're driving your own vehicle to recruit and you're. Uh, working long hours, you're doing laundry. So if you hire a good, solid D2 basketball coach, you're hiring somebody who's not afraid to work. And um, so I've seen it my entire career. And, um, it's, um, it, it is, uh, and, and there's some, been some really good coaches in Conference Carolinas and in the South Atlantic Conference. Um, so I, uh, but it, it um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, there's some really good – and there's some guys at the D2 level who have done it for a long, long time. And uh, that's just – they just like that. I, as I've always said, and, and it's not meant to be a negative, but at the D2 level, I think it's more, it's more student than athlete. Uh, you've still got the schools who, you know, bring in all the – bring in D1 transfers and try and build a program that way. But I, the kids at the D2 level are really there more students and then just to play the game. So I'll tell you, Cobb, you know, I did Pittsburgh State for all those years, five national championships in football, 36 equivalencies. Nobody gets a full ride and you got to parcel it out and all that kind of stuff. And one of the biggest tackles in the history of that school was made by an outside linebacker who was 5'8", 165 pounds and stopped a two-point conversion against North Dakota State back when they were D2, and that guy didn't get a dime, you know? So there, right. are, those, there are those great stories like that. Yeah, you find the kids who are a little, little too short, a little too slow, um, but they can play. They've got, they've got what I call savvy. You know, they, they understand the game, and um, – and that's how they, that's how they become winners. So, hey, Tom, I, I need to ask a quick question. I always wanted to ask you, gorillas. How did yeah. that happen? How did that happen? Well, just in the uh, middle of Kansas. Middle of Kansas, guerrilla warfare. You know that kind of stuff. Is and, that what it was? Is that where it came from? Yeah, you know, like tough guys, things like that. Yeah, and and uh, I think they may be the only one. The interesting thing is, there's a high school about 30 miles Pittsburgh right in the corner with four four state area and there's in fact only 30 miles away from Commerce Oklahoma where Mickey Mantle uh, oh, be, yeah. began and the oh, Boyer yeah. brothers were over in southwest Missouri Ken and Cletus and all those guys there was a high school down there called Pitcher and they were the gorillas as well so those are only only two that I know it's a, it's a it's a great mascot and you know they they're like everybody else they market it <laughs> to the hill, you know, oh, so, yeah. yep, the gorillas. Something unique, got to We got to get to a break, but the uh, the uh, best high school nickname in West Virginia, and I don't know if it's still a school now, it may have been consolidated, but it was Polka High School, P-O-C-A, the Polka Dots. Oh, yeah. So, 
Okay, that's good. All right, we're going to step aside for a moment. Dave Glenn will be with us here in uh, just a moment when we come back from the break. Don't you dare go away. I want to take just a moment here to tell you about my friend, chiropractor Brian Dooley in Pickens Family Chiropractic in downtown Pickens, South Carolina. He's been my chiropractor. I had some issues a number of years ago and went to him. He has the most modern technology, computerized posture and spinal scans. He took care of my issues. He will take care of yours as well. He's been serving the entire family with chiropractic services since 2007. To lead your best life, you need a healthy spine. Hit a home run for your health with chiropractic care from Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic. You can find more at the website, pickensfamilychiropractic.com, or call 864-898-3300. That's 864-898-3300. You can also schedule appointments online via the Facebook page, Pickens Family Chiropractic, LLC. Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic. Tell them Dan Scott sent you. Well, the fun continues. We get back from the break. Don't know if the flow of information is exactly what you were expecting this time out, but uh, some would argue maybe it never is. But we have a good time. One way or the other, we always try to enjoy ourselves. And uh, the, the best way we can accomplish both, to have fun and get out quality information, is when we welcome in the guy who joins us, as he always does in the second half of the episode. That is Dave Glenn, the founder of accsports.com. He writes for The Athletic and the Athletic subsite, Athletic Carolinas, and uh, is now also Professor Dave Glenn. Dave, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. It's good to be with you again. So, so you, you're, you're, you're what in- class are you teaching? It's called Sports Media. And the folks at UNC Wilmington asked me to include my name in the name of the class. So technically, Cobb, it is called Sports Media with David Glenn. All right. That is sort of obnoxious, but they did request that because we kind of added the class late and they wanted to generate some interest. But very quickly, we had about three times as many people sign up as we had spots that we could fill. So uh, I'm going to teach it again this fall. Uh, a little different version of it at UNC Wilmington. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, as, as our annual visits, Dan, typically wrap up at the end of April, I am seeing in my current college students, they are fatigued. Uh, I just keep telling them, let's limp over the finish line together <laughs> as uh, early May is exams. My class doesn't have an exam. So I'm oh. trying to be a user-friendly professor. But they're their projects are due at the end of April. So as, I, I never feel like we're <laughs> limping over the finish line together. But in the academic setting, I feel like I'm dragging a few across the finish line. Three-hour course? It will be this fall. Okay. This was a dip my toe into the academic waters one credit uh, at a time. experiment. <laughs> so it'll be, it'll, it'll be sort of on steroids this fall. And I'm really looking forward to it. I, I enjoyed it. I've always had young people on my staff at the magazine and the radio show. So I'm, uh, my children actually are in that same age bracket right now. So it's been fun to have the academic outlet for an, an age bracket that I've really always enjoyed coaching or teaching or mentoring kind of in uh, even in a sports radio environment. So, so we take it that your children are very intelligent because they have seen what you have done up close and personal over their entire lifetimes and have chosen another career path, right? That is exactly right, Dan. <laughs> uh, it's funny, you know, you guys, we have a lot in common, the four of us. And so I don't know if it's worked this way for you all, but sometimes because our worlds revolve around sports, People will assume, for example, that my wife loves sports and she does not dislike sports, but I'm not kidding when I say something really big could be happening, like the final four or the NBA finals or the masters. And my wife has absolutely no idea that it's even happening. So we have a beautiful marriage. It is not at all based on sports. We have a love of hockey in common. And you asked about the kids. I I coached both of them as young soccer players. 
but they are not the, the sports consumer that I think the four of us were as children. And now we deliver it as professionals, but their interests lie elsewhere. So to a degree in a fourth person family, I'm the only sports addict really. And I, you know, for better and for worse, all three of them uh, fill their plate with other things for the most part. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, this year marks 20 years that I have been doing sports talk in, in some way, shape or form. And, and for a lot of those years, it was three hours at a time. And in that entire 20 years, I don't know that my wife, Angela has listened to three hours of my show total. <laughs> so just, you know, you can, you can read what you want into that, but Wow. Well, there were times, Dan, that, uh, you know, I over this last year, whenever I join you, I'm completely relaxed because the last year when my syndicated show went away roughly one year ago, I have been able to fill my life with a totally different variety of things, including teaching and, and some business and some law and a variety of other things. Because I was so busy for the first 20 or so years of my marriage with, I call her the lovely and talented Maria. She would actually purposely listen to my show because she said for long stretches when I was a business owner and I was wearing too many hats and I was working some 80 hour weeks, she thought that was the, the best quality time that we would spend together was her listening to my show while she drove around oh, in the car as a pharmaceutical <laughs> rep. So fortunately, we've had much more personal bonding time, especially in this last year. Uh, and, and you know, you and I have this in common. We, we love the bigger picture of sports mm -hmm. more than we love the nitty gritty of sports. And I always tried to make my 20 plus years in sports radio uh, fit that theme. And she said, as, as someone who's only modestly interested in sports, of course, I'm her husband, so she's a little biased, but she found the, the, the angles we chose, the guests that we had were broad enough that even a pseudo semi sports fan was interested most of the time. And, and I thought that was a big compliment. And um, I was glad that she perceived it that way because it helped us build a pretty big platform over two decades. Well, uh, one, of things, one of the things my wife and I have done together over the last few years is Clemson basketball and just regular attendance. Yes. Made a couple of trips to Europe, had a great time, but she has gone from, man, those are some really ugly shoes. Why are they wearing those socks to now hitting me going, why is that not a foul? I don't understand why that's not a foul. And I tell her it's because Jamie Lucky and Roger Ayers don't think it was a foul. Oh, so, you know, I mean, but I'm with you, Dave. She, she doesn't, you know, it's, Sports are just, you know, it's just, it's just no, it's just not, just not there. Well, you know? well what though, it's neat that you and she have that one Clemson basketball bond that includes right. some international travel, because in my case, even if Maria is not interested nine times out of 10, one thing we have in common is that we share with some friends season tickets to the Carolina Hurricanes. So Maria grew, grew up on Long Island. Her father is long deceased, but he was a big hockey fan. And it was she, she actually worked at a grocery store where members of back then the Stanley Cup champion New York Islanders would actually come through the checkout line and probably hit on the young version of my wife as she, you know, processed their their groceries, et cetera. And she's always been a hockey fan. So whereas nine times out of 10, she's like, are you doing your she actually says. What sports ball are you watching tonight? That's her sports friend. ball. <laughs> so does, does, does the one, hockey's the carved out exception for us, the way that Clemson basketball is for you. Yeah. And, and it's funny in our case, because growing up on Long Island, New York, she's an Islanders fan growing up in the Philadelphia area. I'm a Flyers fan. And, and those two, let's just say, are not supposed to like each other. Well, I, I was going to, so we, we, we rally around the Carolina hurricanes, of course. I, I was going to ask you when, when, when you guys argue and she gets really mad at you, does she say, you know, I could have married a Stanley cup champion. I could have <laughs> married a hockey player and I ended up with you. You know, it's funny, her, her late father, who's probably her favorite person in the history of the world, 
uh, was a big sports fan. And long before Maria met me, I never met her dad. Unfortunately, he passed away before she and I got together 25 or so years ago. He used to use a phrase in a critical way, Philadelphia lawyer. If he didn't like somebody, he'd, I think it came from a movie. I can't remember all the details, but he'd say, darn Philadelphia lawyer. Well, sure enough, who does his daughter end up marrying? <laughs> oh, man. Essentially, a, lawyer. a Philadelphia lawyer, right? <laughs> so I haven't practiced law for a little while, but uh, we, we do have that as a running joke. Um, and I'm, there are a variety of other things yeah. she says when I am not uh, – doing all the right things uh, but this this is a family show and we, we, exactly <laughs> we'll keep it we'll keep it to that well let, let's uh let, let's let's move on and uh to get into some of the stuff that we actually bring you on for uh, <laughs> although you know we could do a whole podcast on relationships and, and yes, sports i think maybe we'll do that one day um this is a big summer coming up for the world of college athletics because the uh, the supreme court is going to issue its its ruling on the name, image, likeness uh, thing that's been out there for a while. And as you pointed out before we started, there are a number of states that have already enacted their individual laws that will take place or will kick in, what, July 1, I think? Correct. So imagine this timing. You know, we're all contemplating, hey, Clemson in the fall, could either Miami or UNC from the other division challenge the Tigers, or is there somebody else who's going to surprise us? I'm following the transfer circuit for basketball reasons and football reasons. And before we even get to whatever the 2021-22 academic year and sports year looks like, we have this back-to-back couple of dominoes supreme court late june of this year will issue that ruling it's called the alston case and and they're real they're reviewing a lower court decision and meanwhile of course the ncaa has been talking to congress for about a year or more now about what the future of amateur athletics is supposed to look like so really it's three big dominoes what does the supreme court say they're expected to give their, their decision in late June. Florida is the first state that has a law for name image likeness. It does kick in July 1st of this year, so very soon after the Supreme Court case. And meanwhile, the backdrop is the NCAA keeps asking Congress for help in an antitrust uh, exemption or other just they want the NCAA has gone from decades of asking the United States Congress to stay out of the NCAA's business to reversing field 180 degrees and basically saying, please help us. We're tired of being sued. If you, Congress, will help us build this new framework, that will give us the legal protection that we're not fighting these lawsuits every single time a new issue comes up the flagpole. I don't know what it's going to look like. We know the Supreme Court decision is coming. It's hard to predict the political football, given the nature of other things going on in that world. And we know we're going to have sports, but a lot of people believe if July 1st rolls around and that Florida and other state laws are about to kick in, the NCAA will sue those states and essentially ask for an injunction until the other stuff plays out so that we don't end up with 50 different sets of rules about what athletes who happen to be located in 50 different states, what they are allowed to take, what they're not allowed to take. Nobody wants that, 50 different sets of rules. But uh, we're not sure how far the Supreme Court is going to go in sort of creating this new reality. Well, but before Tom or Cobb go, that just raises a question. Let's say they make some kind of definitive ruling. Would that not then supersede any of those state laws and basically make them null and void? It would, it would not necessarily make them all null and void unless they were in direct conflict with the decision. So, so you'd have to look at every state law side by side with whatever the Supreme Court says is the new law of the land. And of course, the Supreme Court reigns supreme. But that could be one state law could be OK by the new decision and another state law could violate the terms. Um, we don't know. We, we don't know. What if, the, what if the Supreme Court endorsed more of a free market concept? In that, in that, I don't think that'll happen. But if it did happen, uh, you could have all sorts of variety. And then we're back to the 50 states with 50 different sets of rules again, unless 
Congress and the NCAA get together and iron out some kind of system that draws lines about what is permissible and what is not. We do know that the NCAA, for the first time, is open to these third-party monies going into the pockets of these student athletes. And for those wondering, you know, think about a, a radio or a social media billboard or commercial um, for some product or company. You can endorse under this new system and not lose your amateur status. The other part is, if you wanted your own clothing line, if you wanted to be paid to go to an autograph signing, if you wanted to be paid for a personal appearance, if you wanted to put your name, you know, the, the Cobb Oxford summer baseball camp back when Cobb was an eligible student athlete, of course, for all of you, all of college sports history, you were not allowed to be compensated for that. Now you could be according to the new model, but as y'all know, I mean, there's just so many details in there. The NCAA certainly doesn't want universities paying players. They also don't want boosters, you know, using the billboard as an inducement. That'll still be illegal, according to the way the NCAA wants the model to work. Um, there'll be no alcohol companies, no tobacco companies, no gambling companies involved. The NCAA also doesn't want, Dan, if you're the star player, if under the new rules you're allowed to sign your own shoe and apparel deal, th these universities don't want their nike or fill in the blank deal threatened if you as a player want to sign with under armor right so you can imagine the conflicts even after we create a new system where athletes are allowed to take more things it, it's tricky it's complicated and i'm not sure how it's going to end up dave let me stretch a little bit here athletes are getting paid um if you're a booster why am I giving money to an athletic department that's now raking in more dollars? I mean, I, I think it could end up, you know, you, you're taking it from one pot, but the other pot might start drying up because why Why do I want to, if I'm going to support professional sports, I'm going to go buy season tickets for the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I mean, yeah, you got alumni and rah-rah and all that, but still it's just, um if they're making money, if they're taking money, then why do they need more money? I, I, I can see that hurting the booster club circuit. No doubt about it. And Cobb, you're putting your finger on something that in several ways has college officials worried. Because on the one hand, they're happy, the, the universities are happy that this new model doesn't require the university to directly, imagine if you have 400 athletes on campus, the university doesn't want their expenses to increase by anything times 400, right? So they're glad that it's third party money in this future system that's going to go to these athletes. At the same time, they're worried about exactly what you just said, because whether it's frowning on college sports because it feels semi-professional in the general sense, or how about this? What if you were a huge booster of Clemson or any other university and you pay X as a maybe a big money booster, you pay X every year to Clemson's booster club. What if you start feeling that you'd have to be careful how you did it so it's not viewed as a recruiting inducement, but magically the, the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you used to pay to your booster club is now going through some companies that you're somewhat affiliated with to pay that future quarterback to be on that billboard. Right. In other words, you haven't lost your passion for your university. You just think you may be able to creatively assist your favorite school with some of those same dollars that were just kind of blindly going to the IPTA club or whatever. Um, we don't know the answer, but those questions have college athletics administrators very nervous right now. And one more thing. I've heard people say, well, that this doesn't mean players are going to get paid individually and I know that Florida State's already hired somebody in a marketing group and I think North Carolina's hired somebody um is that true I mean because my thing has always been well if we go down this road sure Trevor Lawrence could have hung around and made a check but what about the third string offensive tackle and what kind of dynamic does that create in the locker room where some guy's raking it in, and another guy he, he not getting anything other than scholarship, room, and board. 
Um, so somehow the money's got to be divvied up where everybody's happy, and we know that's not going to happen. Yeah, probably won't, because remember, if you take a step back from the whole thing, the, the main argument of the players is that the NCAA is not allowing market forces to play out, right? They're, they're fixing the cost of, it, of the student athlete. And this would allow for the free market to reign more. I, I've heard the argument that you're talking about, about the, the locker room dynamic. But I think that starts to get back to, to regulation, right? If you're, if, you're, if you're too concerned about Trevor Lawrence getting the big check, but the third team guard getting nothing, um, there's a way around that. I mean, you could have all contributions go into a pool and maybe the players right. share yeah. that pool. Everybody maybe, gets a check. Yeah. And maybe they have to wait until graduation or whatever to, to collect that check. That is part of the discussion. But my understanding is, what these plaintiffs are asking for is something that would be more wildly free market. And it would mean in all likelihood that star players in football and men's basketball, especially, and some in other sports get significant amounts of money. And the majority of student athletes might get little to nothing. I mean, we're, we're all open, you know, any, any of us right now could are, we're technically available for under armor or Nike or Adidas or, or whomever. I'm ready to uh, sign right now. They're not kicking down our door. So, you know, similarly, if you don't have a big platform, if companies can't see the value of you on a billboard, you're likely to get nothing. And but but that's still free market. The free market sometimes gives a lot to the few and sometimes gives zero to the masses. And I, that th I think that's going to be remain a possibility in this new NCAA system. So I'm going to go to North Carolina or Utah State for basketball. Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to happen. Your, your kids are going to pick pick a school based on and, – and I would think that will enter the recruiting process. Well, you know, if you come here, we got uh, 650 billboards in Raleigh. You know, uh, you, know you got a chance if you go out there to uh, Wyoming – you know, there's not much in Laramie, so. Uh. And I like I like the way you're saying that because we know in the real world, even though these schools will be prohibited from recruiting on the basis of these third-party inducements, they're still allowed to say exactly what you just said. Hey, you know, there's a lot of billboards in these bigger cities, and not as many over here. There's a lot of Fortune 500 companies that are that you know that have CEOs from graduates of our university. You know, you're let. You can speak generally. The university is not allowed to either provide this extra combination. They're also not allowed to arrange it. They're not, I mean, proving that, of course, would be difficult. Will people violate the rules? Yes, because human beings are involved. And for the history of the world, human beings will violate every and any rule you put in front of them. Uh, hopefully, most people play by the rules. But at this point, we're not even sure what the rules are going to be. Tom? So, Dave, if I'm a five-star quarterback, which is fantasy land, <laughs> and, and you just mentioned in talking about there could be 50 different rules and 50 different states, and depending on what the Supreme Court does and so forth, if, if I'm a five-star guy, am, am, I, uh, am I looking at specific states? And you know what? Florida, you're going to allow this, whereas uh, South Carolina is going to allow that. Do you think that comes into play? Uh, it's fascinating. I'm not sure is the honest answer. I, I, I think it is a possibility. I do think young people have enough going on in their heads as they make these college decisions that some of them are going to not want to add one more complication to the equation. Um, and whereas I have said here in North Carolina to the decision, athletic directors, commissioner, uh, I, I happen to know the governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper. I have said, how, how can you all possibly not have a backup plan? Like, like I have a legal background and a sports background. You want me to write the law that will, you know, the, the, the legislators will, will tweak and push and pull and put it in their own language. I'm qualified to do that. I think it's negligent to not have an emergency plan because I do think it's unlikely we'll get to this point. And maybe that's why more states are playing wait and see. But if somehow, some way, July 1st rolls around and Florida 
uni- Florida-based universities, their athletes are allowed to take A, B, C, D, and E. And in these other states, you're not allowed to take it. I would advise my own son or daughter to take those things into consideration, right? Um, mm-hmm. It'll be so weird, though, because, what, 99% of these athletes who are leaving high school right now have already signed their letters of intent. So by the time we figure out what the rules are for this upcoming year, then you got all kinds of headaches about trying to get out of your letter of intent and all that stuff. I think it, it, it might be more interesting if we went a whole new whole cycle and there were 50 different sets of rules, or, or it could be four different sets of rules, right? I mean, it won't be 50 probably. One state will put something out, and then usually what happens is uh, another state puts something out, and then the, the following states look at the two or three options that are already in play elsewhere and decide which one they like. Uh, but nobody wants that either, really. Not the NCAA, not the Supreme Court, not these universities, uh, and probably not even the student athletes. Again, they have enough to think about when they're making their decisions. Dave, our time is, is rapidly dwindling here, but I do want to shift gears very quickly and talk about the NFL draft from an ACC standpoint. We know Trevor Lawrence is going to be yeah. number one to the Jags. Beyond that, how will the ACC impact or perhaps not impact the rest of the first round? I'd say it'll be a solid effort. Uh, obviously, the SEC, led by Alabama, as usual, is going to dominate the first round. But Christian Darasol, offensive tackle at Virginia Tech, is an absolute monster and probably will go in the first half of the first round. There's a guy named Caleb Farley, also of Virginia Tech. He was one of the highest profile guys who sat out uh, because of COVID this past season. He's likely to be a first rounder, maybe a little bit later. And uh, I know Asante Samuel Jr., son of the former NFL player. Of course, Asante's at Florida State. He's probably going to be a first rounder. And I guess we should mention Notre Dame since they were a full football member. Uh, One of the best players in the ACC, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, the linebacker for the Fighting Irish, is probably going to be a first rounder as well. So that's pretty good representation from the ACC. I mean, you know, in the NBA, sometimes the ACC has 10 picks in the first round out of 30 or so selections, one third from a single conference. That's amazing. The ACC in football usually does not quite get to that level, but a half a dozen possibly in the first round, that's pretty good work for the ACC on the gridiron. Is that, that kid from Notre Dame, is that their version of Uyunglele? Yeah, that's, that's, that's why I applauded. Yeah. I applauded that he got the name. I, I wouldn't even attempt it. He has various nicknames, and I think 99% of the time, his friends, his parents, you know, the announcers avoid the version that I just gave, which I think is correct, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. Well, it it's it, it's sounding uh, correct. Trevor Lawrence, brouhaha that's been going on that's illustrated and created that Trevor, somehow Trevor doesn't want to compete. Yeah, I, I think it's dumb. I think we've, we're to the point of oversaturation for coverage because there are so many outlets now and everybody's trying to find something different. You know, frankly, as a parent, if my child both, I always use the phrase, show me, don't tell me. I place a lot more weight on what a person shows me rather than what they say. And Trevor Lawrence work ethic and love of football has been proven through his actions for since he was a kid so to place too much word on on weight on one sentence or one paragraph about frankly i think it's healthy that the young man does not define himself exclusively by his excellence in football i I, if i'm drafting that gives some bonus points because i think you know i think that's healthy it's balanced you can be passionate about something and not attach all of your self-worth to it. It's frankly dangerous to attach all of your self-work to, to a radio show, to a sport, to, to anything. I mean, we're, we live in a world with massive problems with mental health issues and depression. And I've met a lot of athletes who hitched all of their self-worth to, a, to their prominence or their fame or their money in a, in a specific sport. And when that was gone, their entire foundation as a human being was gone. What good is that? So I kudos to the young man. He, he deserves all the great things that are coming his way. And I, I applaud his attempt to uh, explain that balance in his life. Although obviously 
sometimes the, the words come out in a way that can come back to haunt you, even if your point was a good one. Well, my, my nephew has been working for the Jaguars for a month. And um, he, Jacksonville is geeked. They are really, really should excited be. about Yeah, it's just a I think I think he's gonna be great, but um, time will tell, but I, he certainly he certainly uh, I think deserves the the number one pick and I don't think it'll be a mistake. Hey Dan, Cobb and I both have to put a dollar in the uh, tip jar because we just put you over your time limit. Sorry. Oh no, we're fine. We're, we're fine. <laughs> I, I built in a little cushion. I was actually going to ask uh, Tom if he had anything else for Dave I'm before good. we wrap it up. <laughs> I'm good. It's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, Dan. Dave, Dave, tell people how they can follow what you do. Oh, on Twitter, we're at David Glenn Show. Online, you can always check out theathletic.com. Great deals uh, for what is now an international website. And I'm really proud of what we've done since 1994 with the ACC Sports Journal and accsports.com. So if you like football, basketball, and recruiting, uh, great chance you'll like accsports.com as well. All these years later, and I still can't get you on the college baseball bandwagon. Yeah. It's funny. I watch a lot of college baseball, yeah. so I know how good the ACC is. But, um, but yeah, we only we've only written about it a little bit. And keep in mind, I I am not the owner or the editor anymore. I, I know, but you're, so, in my uh, mind, you're still responsible. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny <laughs> hosting a sports radio statewide. The amount of feedback I would get on other shows that appeared on the stations that carried my show. Right. Remember, I have no affiliation to any of them. You know, it could be in a city five hours away. I still got all the feedback about why that show wasn't very good or whatever. At some point, you just, mm-hmm. you can either throw up your hands and tell them, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any association with those shows, or you can really turn evil genius and start writing back, you know, you're right. That show's horrible. And I'm going to get them <laughs> off the air as soon as possible. Let's see where that goes. It's lonely at the top, Dave. It's lonely at the top. <laughs> All right. That's great stuff. Dave, as always, thanks for uh, spending some time with us. We'll take a quick break and come back and put a wrap on this week's mess right after this. You might know that State Farm agent Ed Patterson has great service. He's your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates too? Yep, that's right. Along with good neighbor service, State Farm agent Ed Patterson has surprisingly great rates for everyone in Greenville. So call State Farm agent Ed Patterson at 864-322-0031 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. Sometimes in life, you simply need to treat yourself to the best. And every time you lift a refreshing soda from Hank's Beverages to your lips, you're simply already a winner. It doesn't matter if it's a root beer, orange cream, vanilla cream, black cherry, or grape soda. There's a reason Hank's Beverages has been known as Philly's best for well more than a decade. Find Hank's online at hanksbeverages.net, or you can find their product here in the upstate at Ingalls Supermarkets, Lowe's Grocery Stores, and Harris Teeter. Well, that was a fun segment. Dave Glenn always brings it. Probably have him back again next week, and uh, then he'll take his usual sabbatical until we get to uh, the month of August and and uh, crank it back up for some college football. But good stuff from Dave there, as always. Thanks to Tom Van Hoy and Cobb Oxford for being here. We really enjoy uh, getting together here on Grumpy Old Broadcasters. I hope you've enjoyed Episode 34. Hope that you will share it, uh, like it, help us spread the word about the podcast, and uh, look forward to uh, getting together again next time. Uh, the podcast, again, is brought to you by our friends at Todaro Pizza. They are our pre- presenting sponsor, todaropizza.com, T-O-D-A-R-O pizza.com. And uh, you can check out the website for pizza, folks. Please, and company, and tell them you heard about them here on the podcast and thank them for uh, hanging with us through the pandemic and everything else. And then uh, our other sponsors who have hopped on board with us as well, uh, Booty Cothran and Motive Jim, our American Ninja Warrior. Thanks to him, the uh, Hall of Fame Sports Grill on Wade Hampton Boulevard, the Atlanta Bragg Company at Cherrydale Plaza in Greenville, Pickens Family Chiropractic, 
uh, and my buddy Brian Dooley uh, in Pickens, South Carolina, Ed Patterson, your State Farm agent at Cherrydale Plaza in Greenville, and Hank's Beverage in Greenville as well. Thanks to all of them, and thanks to you for joining us here on Episode 34 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters, the podcast. We'll be back with you again next week with a brand-new episode. A little more NFL draft talk, perhaps, some baseball talk, and who else? Uh, who knows what else we'll get into. Listen, go out and make a positive difference in somebody else's life, okay? And we'll see you back here again next time. Until then, I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you, and so long, everybody. <laughs>